It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey everybody, welcome to the next episode of The Table, and uh, I'm my name's Jason Squires, excited about today because uh, we're continuing our conversation this month on uh, creatives and community and why team time is important in your ministry outside of Sunday morning, and uh, I get to hang out with, with all the mentors today. Uh, hey everybody, why don't you guys introduce yourself? Michael, go ahead and kick us off. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening today. My name is Michael Bond. I'm based out of the northwestern part of the United States in Oregon. I'm a worship pastor here and I totally love being a part of local uh, community and shepherding and uh, love being a husband and a father and love helping worship leaders and songwriters succeed. So it's fun to be here today. Awesome. How about you, Crystal? I'm taking myself off mute because um, I'm getting over um, my second round of you know what, uh, and I I have a little bit of a cough, so if I disappear, it's because you don't want to hear or see me coughing. But that being said, I'm based in Dallas, Texas. I am a singer songwriter. I go out in the secular venues, and I also lead worship at a church in McKinney um, with my husband. And that's always very fun, keeps things real. And I love mentoring young women that are writers and worship leaders, just part of my heart. Amen. Amen. How about you, Grant? Yes. Good day, everybody. My name is Grant Norsworthy. And uh, our, our mentor panel is usually bigger than four of us, but we have four today. So I'm the last one to introduce myself at the moment anyway. Uh, but I'm speaking to you from a place called New Zealand. It's a long, long way away from most of everybody. But uh, yeah, I'm actually an Australian who lived in the United States for 17 years, based in Nashville, Tennessee, but now living in New Zealand with my wife and three sons and a lot of sheep. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I head up a thing called More Than Music Mentor. And More Than Music Mentor is uh, providing online and on-site training for the heart and the art of worshipping musicians. That's something I'm very, very passionate about. I'm glad to be with this worship leader panel. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Next time we do this, can you bring all your sheep into the conversation? That would be... No, well, my father-in-law's got a little property just two minutes down the road, and he's he's got like a hobby farm with about 40 sheep. That are, that, that number is increasing because it's now spring in New Zealand or very close to it. Yeah. And starting to pop out lambs. And he's saying, he said to my wife yesterday, do you want some pet lambs? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Which and? The answer is no. No. What was her no. answer? The question was, what was her answer? Well, did she say no? Well, she... she hesitated more than I would have, but she did say no, because they are so cute. But man, it's almost like a, a human baby with the feeding and the everything, keeping dry and putting them in. Anyway, I don't want to go into that. We're talking about something else. But <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> she's a great, and I love Grant. lamb, but yeah. Oh, the answer is no. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> that just happened. He said, that just, but they're cute. <laughs> but, 
That's true. <laughs> I want to tell yeah. Anything happens on this podcast. <laughs> and you've got to name them too. And I, I always wanted uh, any lamb to be called Lamborghini. Lamborghini. Oh. Yeah. Or You'd have Lamington. To. I don't know if you know what a lamb any of it. You'd have or to. Just, or just Mington, you know. Do you know what a lamington is, guys? And, no, I don't. I don't. It's, like, it's, it's like vanilla sponge cake covered in chocolate and then sprinkled with coconut. That's it. So that does Australian. not sound terrible. That sounds, that sounds fantastic. Really good. Yeah, anyway, I guess I it's better than calling your lamb lamentations. Do you see what I did there? Yeah, you, you see what I or, did there? or just intations. 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 Lam- what's the, what's the lamb's name? Intations. We're going to go into the, the content now. So yeah, we, this, uh, <laughs> this month... Edit. This month we're talking about uh, team time and outside of Sunday morning, hanging out with the sheep. Uh, and I wanted to uh, today we're talking about that that and creatives and community. But I wanted to kind of jump into this here and say, uh, with your teams, how do you guys uh, communicate the value of community to your team? Um, Michael, why don't I, I want to start with you? What do you how how do you how do you communicate the value of of community? to your team for somebody who might be thinking I've never done this or I've, you know, maybe I didn't even know I wasn't doing this. What are some thoughts there? Yeah, I think sometimes the best way to communicate something is to demonstrate it. So I think culturing, uh, like cultivating a culture of community and just doing it is gonna, it's going to help you share that vision. So instead of talking about what community could look like, just start doing it, whether it's, you know, hey, I'm going to start each rehearsal with asking each person how they're doing. And, you know, it's kind of like, okay, put your instruments down. Let's just, just touch base for a second. How's everybody doing? What can you celebrate? You know, what's God doing? What's a praise? Hey, how can we come alongside you? What's a prayer request? Hey, let's pray for each other. And little stuff like that. Um, I don't know, extra, extra touch points are just so good. So I'll just leave it at that. I think that helps you teach it by doing it and modeling it. And people people get a taste of that and they don't really want to go back to just, you know, a lack of connection. So I think you just go out and do it. I love it. What about you, Crystal? Well, I think it's the same thing is just, you know, putting relationship first before, you know, even thinking about the music it's in taking that time and showing the importance of praying for one another, checking in with one another. And also, you know, creating days, outside of uh regular routines and practices and hanging out um i just think actually going and doing it like he's saying is is very important but also making even more intentional time and space for your people and your team especially those that you see are struggling those are the ones you know take them out to coffee take them out to lunch you know and just be there with them and then I think it's important to see that everything Jesus did flowed from, you know, relationship and being in community with his disciples. And so if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. And absolutely, um, I just think, yeah, I think because he modeled that, that we are to follow um, that model for discipleship and for leading. Ah, love that. What about you, Grant? Yeah, I mean. I, I straight up, let me just confess that I'm actually not on staff with the church and I don't lead a team currently. I'm, I'm a traveling, what we call itinerant consultant um, in ministry work. So I, I do sort of bombing raid, bombing raid sort of visits to other churches and get to, to dip into what I see there. Um, but I have been on teams 
you know, the bass player in the team and seen different leaders of those teams in bigger churches and how they try to uh, model community and build community. And I guess I've come to this point in my life realizing that you can't force community. You can't make it happen. Um, and, and let's remember that com community is a word that we could break down to common unity. Like we all have the same uh, purpose. Uh, and that's what we definitely want. But I'm reminded by something that Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. He said, those who love their idea of common unity or community will destroy it. But those who mm -hmm. love others will build it. Um, so I think what we're hearing uh, both Michael and Crystal say here is that we have to just model community. Um, it's knowing people's names. It's asking them questions. It's, it's when someone shows up late unprepared, you don't stomp on them as the first thing. You ask them, wow, what, what, what is it that has, is causing this? You know, Because there could be any number of reasons why um, in, in their personal lives that have made it impossible for them to be on time and fully prepared for our rehearsal. So, yeah. Um, so for me, as I travel around, it's, it starts with some key preliminary phone calls way ahead of me visiting a church and doing, trying my best to build a relationship. Zoom calls are even better. Like face-to-face -face is better than a phone call. I found particularly it's with the drummer. For me as a musical director, I've got to have a great relationship with the drummer. If I don't have a great relationship with the drummer, it's going to be rough, you know, because yep. that musical house is built on the drums. I've got to speak to the sound engineer, build a relationship there. And I can't have a phone call and a Zoom call with every member of a team, but it starts with just talking to each other, asking questions, remembering names. Um, some, if, if the team's bigger than about seven, I need to ask for name tags in my situation, which hopefully by the Sunday service, I don't have to have them on anymore. But yeah, and, and asking questions um, and listening, like really listening to how, how people respond. But I'm not going to try and force unity on a team, force common unity. I'm, I am going to try and model it, model it and make those sort of very affirmative steps towards me being a, an example of at least that effort. Now, Grant, you... Like you said, you come in and out of churches a lot. What, what is, you've probably walked into situations where you can tell there isn't community that exists. What would you in that, in like a, I mean, with, without mentioning any names here, what would you like, what would you do in a situation like that where you walk in and just feel like there's automatic tension and you have to go, we have X number of hours before we're leading worship as, together as a church. Like how, how do you kind of like, uh, facilitate that conversation if there's if there's if you walk in and just feel like nothing here is actually there you know like that community doesn't yeah. exist what are some yeah, thoughts well, I put, on that i put a few i put a few uh i guess a few practices in place uh that need to be put in place way before i've walked into the room with the whole team and smelt the lack of unity which yeah. i do and in fact, it was so interesting. I, I did a, a recent trip to a to a place called New Plymouth in New Zealand, where I spent 11 days there doing a whole bunch of different workshops and things like that. And uh, a young guy came up to me after one of the workshops and said, have you studied psychology? I'm like, uh, gosh, not formally. I mean, there was a little bit of psychology when I studied elementary school teaching back in a previous life. And he goes, I'm a psychology student and you're using a lot of psychology as you do this coaching of teams. I'm like, really? Wow. I didn't really know that. But <laughs> I am I very know. intentionally trying to read the room and read the people and, and take the cues because the last thing I want to do is create disunity, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, there's a few things. Uh, 
that I, I have intentionally put in place to minimize that. And then I want to finish with my, my main kicker that has to happen at the end of this. So I've, I've got all those preliminary phone calls, Zoom calls to get to know key people, sound engineer, senior pastor, drummer, the t leader of the music team. And then I do all I can to make sure there's a meal before I go into a workshop together. And, you know, this, this uh, principle that I have very close to my heart of you get a group of people to do something together successfully and well, and unity is actually a happy byproduct. So, and, and a very simple way to do that is to eat together. You know, you don't may not think about it this way, but eating together is us doing something together. We've all, all got this obje objective of satisfying our hunger. And we sit down and we share food that we've all brought, or maybe the church provided something, please not pizza again. And, um, and we eat together and a little bit of unity starts happening. A few conversations strike up and I'm trying not to use that meal as my, my chance to start teaching, but just to listen to people and get to know, are oh, you the drummer? Wow. What sort of kit do you like? You know, like, you know, you know, um, and so on. And then Love it. The, the, making sure I know people's names is another, but here is the main thing I have found. And this is the area of, of void, I would say, in most church music teams, is no one really knows what the goal is. So as we move into a, a rehearsal, we're preparing songs typically for a Sunday service or maybe for a special event. I've got to say, I'm here as the musical director. Can people accept me as the musical director, the leader of this team? And I need to get from everyone saying, yes, I'm prepared to accept you as the leader of that. That's, that's a step. And then I've got to give people the common goal. See, if I say we are here to lead worship, these are worship songs and worship starts at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, there's actually not unity in that I've found. There's actually division, not on the surface, but underneath or maybe subconsciously, people are actually tugging in different directions when you say that is the goal. Now, let me say to the listeners and to the panel here, the worship of God absolutely is the goal. It is the goal. We want God to be worshipped through our songs. Um, but we, we humans can't measure that. And different humans define that differently. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that's almost like the World Cup goal for a, for a soccer team, for a football team. But our ball in the back of the net goal is one I want to focus on with the team. The ball in the back of the net goal will be that our congregation sings these songs. So as I step through the yes, I'm the musical director. I move quite quickly to, I'm going to be musically directing this team during this rehearsal to craft a sound that helps your congregation sing these prayers to God as one of the ways we worship God, sing these declarations of truth about God. And if everyone knows that that is the humanly measurable goal, but you can tell if your congregation is singing or if they're not. If they're listening, that's not what we want. If they're singing, that's what we want. And so I don't have to say to a drummer, you know, that fill, I don't like it. I can say, that's a cool fill in a different context, but it cut across the rhythm of the melody of the song. Um, and I found it hard to sing my, my melody while you were playing a drum fill there. So uh, cool fill for somewhere else, maybe different band, different context, but that's not going to help us as a congregation sing that song. And it's like, oh, I see that now. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Agree to the goal. Um, so it's very important to have everyone with a common humanly measurable goal to bring about unity. Oh, I love it. I love it. Why that's a leads me a great <coughs> leads me well to the next question here. Um, when playing together in as a band, uh, why would you guys say it's important to know each other? Well, 
Like, um, what, what, like, what is there? Why is that important to actually know each other before you go out and play? Yeah, I, I have a confession. There's a church I served at years ago in another state than of of the U.S. than where I live now, and I used to get in conflicts with this drummer uh, pretty frequently. Just couldn't get on the same page. And it took me about eight months of being at this church before I realized, um, wow, this guy is a helicopter pilot and he's retired and he, he flew helicopters in Vietnam off of aircraft carriers, like incredible wow. stories, of this guy. And i the more I got basically long story short, I started just spending time getting to know him and put the music aside and just get to know him as a person. And then it was interesting as, as we'd come back to different conflicts or issues we had that were musical in nature, the worship team, because we had connected more relationally, somehow we, we were able to work through things more effectively when it came to the band. Because now, in a sense, we were friends off the stage. We knew each other off the stage. And, I, and, it, and you know, my confession is it took me way too long. I should have figured this out a long time ago. And I didn't ask. I, I was young and hadn't been told that that was even something I needed to do. And it it just is to know the backstory of everyone on your team and ministry and care about them. And it's huge. And, you know, when you know them, man, it just, it helped, it helps you empathize for their journey. And like Grant said, why they might come in in a huff one day or why they struggled with the songs. Who knows what, you know, you, you understand their world and now they understand your world and they know that you care about their world. And now that they know that you care about their world, they're much more willing to sit under your direction, your shepherding, your instruction, uh, your leadership. So I think it's really, really important that you know each other as well as possible. I love it. Crystal, what are your thoughts on this? You you live in a, in a, I mean, in the South where like hospitality is kind of like part of your world supreme yeah Yeah. and so like what are you i mean is this is this something you guys have to work towards or is this something that kind of just like is natural what's what are some thoughts there we still have to work towards it i mean we have to be intentional with it because we all have such busy lives and the more people on the team the more busy lives that you have to you know, try to make all those points intersect. And it's hard. It's really hard to get all those people to intersect at the same time. We started doing a first Sunday lunch. So we go out after church. There's this place that, you know, has a room. It's like a little hamburger place. So it's kind of inexpensive and we get the whole back room and that's just worked well for us. Um, So if you've already got, everybody goes to lunch on a Sunday anyway, and they are allowed to bring their families. So it's not just, you know, if you can find a space that will work with you and do that, um, it's a really great opportunity to create. Um, So yeah, it is very hospitality driven, but people have such busy lives. um, I feel like here, I don't know what it's like for (laughs) in y'all's area, but it's, it's very busy. They have multiple kids in multiple sports doing multiple things. And to make those intersections, I have to be really um, intentional about how I do it and when I do it, trying to carefully, you know, create the Tetris puzzle of sticking some time in. Um, But yes, there's there's that. And I think if we are 
spending time with people. And even in the itinerant way that Grant's talking about you, we've been itinerant and I totally know what he's talking about. Like you can make those calls ahead of time. And they're like, Oh, like we're doing an event this weekend and we'll called and, you know, had an hour conversation with the sound man. And now because of that, we can, there's more give and take with each other. There's more yep. um, commonality and we're working towards this goal. And they talked about guitars and, you know, all the things. And so now he's eager to serve. And I'm just so grateful. Like, so when you invest in people and you invest in your church, you gain influence. And then also too, you begin to, as a leader, have to let down your guard and, and let them gain influence in you. Um, I'm doing a vocal workshop and there's a few girls on our team that are like, they are teachers as well. So I've invited them to come and teach the class with me. And I learned so much from them and, and their experience. And so I think it's, it's this, um, building of trust. And when you build trust, you gain influence and Grant probably has mastered the art of doing this quickly, you know, and yeah, I mean, I can Not tell that you do the things. Yes. <laughs> Whatever, Mr. Psychology. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, hear, Miss, we hear how you use psychology. Dr. Grant over I, here. I do. I think you do have to kind of have a gifting to get in, assess quickly, and build trust quickly when you're doing it in an itinerant way. But when you are, when you are, you know, with your team, building trust is essential and spending time with people is how you do it and casting vision, like they're talking about. If you don't have a vision, and a place for them to go. The Bible is so clear. It says without vision, people perish. I mean, I've, I've watched teams almost eat themselves from the inside out. Cause there's no, there's no direction. There's no vision. There's no common goal. Um, and then how can you build trust? So I love that. I also, I tend to use, um, cause I, I do the itinerant thing as well. I tend to use Facebook as a, as a first in where it's like, mm -hmm. if I can log into planning center, find out who the band is and then go ask that like, go go do friend requests um and and then there's doesn't some the name john smith that doesn't that is john smith you got to figure out you got to make sure to find the right john smith but the the uh no but then you can kind of also there's there's that ground level and, and then they can you know on their time kind of see more about you and a little bit more about your life but also in the long term you end up kind of having that that form of a relationship before you do the in-person stuff um what are you guys' – we talked a little bit about this. Crystal, you mentioned the, the hamburger idea. What are some practical ways to have team time outside of Sunday? Um, like I love I love that, setting it up regularly to go, hey, the first Sunday we're going to go do this. And you guys kind of know on a recurring basis just to kind of like look out in your calendars and say we're going to do this um, after church together. I mean, Michael, you guys, you're over several campuses with different worship teams. I mean, I don't know – like. Talk to us a little bit about the practicality of or the, the, the practical ways to uh, kind of doing some of those things. You guys have other ideas that you, um, the way you, the, the ways you implement community. Yeah. One thing we've done this summer is, and we, I try to do this as a summer rhythm because people's schedules just seem, seem to be different, right? Everyone just kind of, uh, their schedule loosens up a little bit. So we've gathered, you know, anyone who's leading worship at any of our campuses we get together once a week go to one of our you know one of the homes and sit by the river and and uh, bought everyone a, this worship worship book and 
we're just spending time together. Again, I think sometimes we can get more caught up in, you know, the location or the, what we're going to do. There's just something, it's almost like Grant's principle. If that's so good, man, of just get everyone together, share a meal. So for us, it's, let's get everyone together and let's, let's go through this book and let's hear each other's hearts and laugh together and, and just learn about each other. Uh, and, and it builds continuity and connection. Uh, and we just, you know, it, it's so good for alignment, especially during the seasons where we can't spend as much time together. Cause uh, the flip flip of that, like the, the the summers are beautiful where where I live, and then the winter it's a lot. I mean, the reason it's so green and beautiful here is because, and the winter gets cold. There's a lot of water, and a lot of rain, so people are now indoors. So connection looks different. But really trying to just lever, leverage that with opportunities. Um, we've done barbecues this summer, just trying to get people together. I think you just got to do it. Just gotta, you know, it's probably for each of us. Everyone who's listening here, whatever ministry you're involved in. There is a way to do it. I I guest lead at a church that's up in Vancouver that um, their rhythm is uh, during the second service, the worship team, during the message, the worship team has a meal together and someone shares a devotional. That's cool. That's yeah. So I just appreciate it. It's intentional. It's like, this is our rhythm. Uh, whoever's on the team, you know, we all attend the first service, second service during the message. We have our meal. We do a devotion. We stay connected. We grow. So some stuff that I've encountered. I love it. Grant, you have some thoughts on that one? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, as Crystal has pointed out, you know, it's quite typical for everyone to at least feel like they are extremely busy and it's hard to carve out extra time. So you're actually sort of hoping for um, opportunities to do things together, uh, which are actually simply, there is a goal. Can we all buy into a goal? Let's do this goal together. Um, for me, it can be as simple as, and I love doing this as a weird thing. Like most, most teams of singers and instrumentalists connect with, with a church. They will pray together before a rehearsal or before a service. I love saying to the team, let's all go to the tech booth, meet up with those three or five people, and we're going to pray with them. And because those guys actually almost always feel totally left out, those guys yep. and girls. You know, they're like, there's a valley between the tech team and the musicians and singers, and it's really unhealthy. So you're looking for chances to invite them in. Um, I love the idea of church family being a web of community. So I'm also trying to find chances to not have um, the musicians, singers, instrumentalists sort of separate in any way. You're hoping that there's things like, um, like in my church family uh, near the start of winter, it's like, hey, there's, we've, we've identified seven single mums in our area who uh, rely on an open fireplace or, or a furnace for their heat this winter, where it's going to deliver firewood. Um, I'm yeah. doing it. Who else is on it? And, and make that announcement at the team. So you're hoping you're actually building community by being shoulder to shoulder with people loading firewood yep. for single moms in the community. You're hoping that it's like, hey, you know, they're looking for two other people to take the youth group uh, roller skating. Uh, any of us? Able, like like doing other things. Like my my big vision my big vision i think it's god's big vision that he's put in my heart where we find church unity as we f just find ourselves shoulder to shoulder with brothers and sisters in christ doing projects together caring for the poor singing together they're, they're the two that i'm passionate about you know and um yeah we, we if we try and orchestrate it too much and organize it too much it can actually not be what we want um, but you're just looking for those little chances to do things well together and, and, and achieve the goal shoulder to shoulder with brothers and sisters. I love it. 
Yeah, I was going to say this. I was going to jump in and say the same thing is doing at least a community service project or something once or twice a year. If it's going to a nursing care facility and seeing some Christmas carols or, you know, yeah. something like that, like just some way that you can serve together, because then it keeps the goal, the goal, which is touching the heart of Jesus and touching the heart of his people. Because he's so clear in the Bible, too, about when you visit someone in prison, you've done unto me when you do unto the least of these. Yeah. And so when we're touching people together, God is going to show up in a way that every time when we do something community service wide, wide together, it touches those people's hearts. And I get an email or a letter. So do a community service project together every year that... Um, can put your hearts in keeping that main thing, the main thing. And there, there can be a, an overlap with what we want to achieve musically as well. Like I know that close to my home, there's an, uh, there's a aged care facility. What is there an American mm -hmm. name for that? Am I, or am I speaking the same language? Yeah, you know, no. A lot of people, like many of them have dementia. They're, they're mm -hmm. on, they're on the, the last stretch, you yep. know, yep. and they've managed to carve out a little church service for Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. I just need someone to come in and play a few hymns, you know, play, play some, some older songs, you know, and, um, you know, to hand that around to anyone who can make it then uh, and, and have us take that on as a responsibility can be a really good team building thing. It's tough, it's tough to do that sort of, that sort of thing, but which leads me to another thing, you know, like, I just want to quickly say, I don't know that we do actually have to have great relationships to, to, to do this job with every member of the, the team. Like I, I've, I don't want to digress here, but I have been thrown into like recording situations or even a church service situation where it's like, but everyone's pro or close to it. And there can be this musical connection without knowing each other personally. It's possible. But I think the more sort of amateur level you are as singers and players, the more important it is to have these relationships uh, and, and trust. But yeah. yeah, I think one of the things that can cause lack of unity on a Sunday morning is what I call the one gig syndrome. And, uh, and what that is, is that Sunday morning church service is that person's only chance to play their instrument. <laughs> you know, this is their only, so that person, their, their only chance to play electric guitar is Sunday morning for our church. They tend to want to overstep their role in my opinion you know they're like i want to i want to show everything i've got i want to use every pedal i want to show the chops i've got in this one opportunity so i love the idea of having like jam nights because i i don't stand for any jamming whatsoever during my rehearsals and i don't i don't growl at people but i just have a very very clear way of directing no jamming and by the way the singer's version of jamming crystal michael is chatting with each other that's oh. what the thing is doing oh. instead of jamming <laughs> How are you? I never I'm, do that. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Like, so, so I, I run a pretty tight ship in rehearsal, but let's, hey, if we rehearse Thursday nights, if you want to jam, I consider jamming to be an incredibly important part of every musician's musical development. You've got to find time to jam. That's why that guitarist is at our Thursday night rehearsal trying to play Van Halen's Eruption because it's his only chance to do it, you know? <laughs> And so carve out other time. I would rather say Wednesday nights, we're going to avail, avail the church hall, just, just the monitor system, not the front of the house. We're going to avail this, this, the platform, the monitors, the drum kit, everything. Come and jam. Start writing songs. 
do whatever you want. Jam then, get out of your system. And that's another great way to build sort of relationship connection, but also helps us not to have people trying to jam during our rehearsal time. I love it. Okay, as we wrap wrap up the this this episode, um, I always I always end our podcast with the food question. Speaking of community and church potlucks, when yeah, when I say church potluck, what is the first dish that comes to mind? Like just go real fast, like real fast. Michael, what is your first? I say church potluck, you think green bean casserole. Green bean casserole. That's disgusting. What about what about you, <laughs> Crystal? What about you? Okay, so every Thanksgiving we'll deep fry a turkey, and so a deep fried turkey with injected with Cajun seasoning. I know that's not the typical. Oh, I'm in. But that's what we do every year. He'll go out like in between services and heat up the grease, drop in the turkey, and it's so good. Oh, that sounds fantastic. What about you, Grant? Oh, for me, if if it's if it's a church community that I've been part of for a while and had a lot of these potluck dinners, I like trying to predict what people are going to (laughs) bring. And there's, and there's one family that always bring a lentil stew that's actually really, really good. Okay. Especially, especially if they're listening to this podcast, which they might be. But, uh, but yeah, every time it's this lentil stew, like dark brown, like the kids aren't sure about it. You know, they, they sniff past it and move on to the chicken legs, you know, whatever. It's the lentil stew. When I, when I think church potluck, I always think deviled eggs and the, they're not always cold. You guys don't talk. Don't, don't talk about. They, they've been out a little long, and you wonder if you're gonna make it through the end of the day. You're like, I'm gonna eat this deviled egg, and it's hopefully, it, you know, hopefully, I survive. That's my. Uh, I, have a, I have a friend that was so so you know, Christian. She changed it to angel eggs. Angel she eggs. Had- oh, you might not have seen Crystal uh, listeners doing the rabbit ear fingers around the word Christian. It was beautiful. Christian <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I explained at the start what a lamington is, didn't I? Did I tell you what a lamington is? Yes. Yeah, so it's an Australian sort of, you know, it's like yellow sponge cake covered in chocolate icing and then rolled in coconut shavings. Really, really nice. But I went to a pot like once and and me and a couple of buddies decided we would take lamingtons, but we actually made them out of like squishy yellow foam, like like unedible (laughs) rubber rubbery foam and covered it in real icing. And we just stood around watching people pick up these lamingtons and try and take a bite out of them. Oh, it was, it really brought, we never got asked to make food Grant, again. Oh my oh gosh. No. That's just happened. Hey, I was 17. Oh, what my do? We're seven, oh, that makes more sense. That makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, you guys, thanks so much for hanging out today. Uh, and I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we will see you guys next week. Yeah.